Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the Believe in OK State podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Believe in OK State podcast. I'm Megan Robinson, joined once again by Justin Southwell and Eve Batoba. Rough week to be a Cowboy fan. OSU's 15 game home win streak was snapped. Guys, I said going into the week, we would need 50, 20 points to win, and we got 19, and we did not win. So yeah. what word would you guys use to describe this season? The word has to be disappointing, right? If it's not disappointing. We went from being ranked seventh in the country at one point. This was a really promising season coming into 2022 after the big win against the University of Notre Dame. And you finish the season seven and five. So, you know, if that's not disappointing, then I don't know what is. Now, with that said, you have to give credit where credit is due, because two weeks ago, most of the country counted West Virginia season as a lost season. Uh, they had to play OU and OSU, two teams that they haven't had much success against. And to beat OU and then on a holiday weekend, away from family in Stillwater, 42 degree weather with rain just coming down. Every single player that could have played, played. No one sat out because they were considering the transfer portal or anything like that, and they won. So good for you, West Virginia. Good for you. If I had to say a word, I wouldn't even call it disappointing. I think I would just say challenging. So we saw what we were capable of early in the year whenever we were fully healthy. Yeah. And we- you know, all the way up through the Texas game, even though we had challenges along the way, we were able to overcome those. Except, you know, we didn't get the win against TCU, but we bounced back and beat Texas. We got to number seven in the polls, like you said. But even then, some of the national talking heads were calling us frauds. That's after beating OU, like you said, after beating Notre Dame and the Fiesta Bowl. And so, it's challenging. You have to do that. You have to be consistent and do it over and over and over until they don't have any reason to say that you're frauds at that point. So, you know, if you look at the polls now, I don't necessarily know that we would be the seventh best team in the country if we were fully healthy. I think Tennessee is ranked number seven right now. I don't know that a fully healthy Oklahoma State team can beat this Tennessee team. Kansas State. They're 13th in the polls right now. I I don't really know that a fully healthy Oklahoma State team beat Kansas State 
in the way that they just completely dominated us. So I have to give them credit where it's due. 48 to nothing. You know, that's, you know, you just can't, you can't really say anything at that point. And, you know, but kind of looking back, I would say we're probably the, the third best team in the Big 12. Of course, you know, on the outside looking in for the Big 12 championship, which is, you know, from last season, challenging. So I don't know where that lands us at the end of the year, maybe like a top 15 team, but it's challenging because we have to keep climbing that mountain, right? Even though we've slipped a little bit, you still have to put in that work and go, you know, the challenge, I think the challenge now is, you know, is Coach Gundy and his staff, are they going to be able to convince the players of that now? The fact that they came to Oklahoma State for a reason, and that was to win a Big 12 championship. And just because we had a down year due to some injuries, do you want to jump into the transfer portal? Or do you stay focused and realize that this is just a minor hiccup? We are, you know, unprecedented injuries, but we're going to bounce back. So do you want to be part of that? And I think that that's where the challenge is going into the offseason. So all that to say, yeah, this year has been challenging. I don't want to call it disappointing necessarily. The injuries, sure, are disappointing, but challenging is, I think, a more appropriate ter- term for you, you know what really sucks is whenever everybody calls you overrated and then they're just like, ah, at some point they're going to ruin it, they're going to mess it up. And at the end of the year comes and you're just like, dang it. They were right. (laughs) That's the worst part about it all. And you can't even say anything back. Disappointing felt like too obvious of a word to me to use. So mine, I don't, it's, I get hyphenated one word, let down. That was sort of how I felt about it. Because as you both said, TCU, you lose in a close one, double OT. You're like, all right, we'll bounce back against Texas. You have a come from behind win against Texas. And then all of a sudden, you know, you go from scoring 35 plus points a game to not even getting on the scoreboard. And then it just I felt like the offense never really got going again after that. But, Justin, you brought up a good point about convincing players to stay or come here and all that. Well, we saw it this weekend with Michigan and Ohio State. Several commits flipped from Ohio State to Michigan after that beat down that they served Ohio state in Columbus. And I think it just goes to show that, you know, I, I, I have no information on recruits who went from OSU to OU, but my point is that in a game like that, in a rivalry game, like OU two weeks ago, you win that game, you can get people to come there because you're like, wow, this energy is electric. This is where I want to play. This is a team I want to be a part of. So yeah, even if we, you know, if the season was six and six, but, or, seven and seven, seven and five, but we are now, but if, you know, if you've lost one more game, if we had beat OU, I feel like that makes the record a little bit more like, okay, we're seven and five, mm-hmm. but we beat OU. Even if you're five and seven, it's like, well, one of those wins was against OU and it just makes that five win season a little bit more tolerable. Uh, but we, we had talked about it. I think in text the week before during OU, I was like, is this, you know, will we see Spencer play? Will we not? And he did not play in the loss to West Virginia this weekend. Were either of you surprised by that decision? No, nah, wasn't too surprised. I think that Gundy is really loyal to his seniors. Um, if Spencer would have decided that, hey, I'm going out there and I'm playing, Coach Gundy probably would have let him play. But at this point in the season, with his injuries, with the type of season you know that that we ended up having, I think 
Spencer ended up making a business decision. Uh, no matter what's next for him, wherever he's going to end up going, um, I think that he and his representation, I think that he and his parents and his family decided that this is probably the best move for them going forward. So not surprised by that in the slightest. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, but at the same time, I think I was a little bit surprised because, you know, even not that he didn't start. I wasn't necessarily surprised by that, but I thought that maybe we would see that he would come in in the fourth quarter and kind of be the hero like he was for the Iowa State game. And with it being the last home game in front of that crowd, I mean, wasn't the biggest crowd, obviously, with with the rain and everything, but, you know, uh, I'm a little bit surprised by it, I guess. As soon as I saw that he wasn't starting, I knew he wasn't going to play. I feel I mean, I, I can't speak for all schools. And I know that football is different where you have your offensive unit, defensive unit, special teams unit. And it's not just like, OK, you can play for two minutes and sub out. So in every sport I've ever played on senior day, both at a high school and a college level, senior started, even if it was for only the first two minutes of the game, the seniors just got the nod. This is your last home game. We're going to give you a start, even if you rode the bench the entire year. Not so much in college because there weren't as many seniors, but in high school, that's how it was. So I, and I've heard of coaches being like, okay, we're going to put you in for the first series, you know, the first, the first play of the game, and then we'll do a quick sub or at least the first drive, something like, especially when it's Spencer Sanders, who was a starter. So when he wasn't playing, I was like, this is, he's, he's not going to play. If he's not going to start <laughs> his final time, he's not going to play. <laughs> like that's just, I don't know. Yeah, I can see that, but it's, it's a little bit different. I think a lot of the time we've had senior day against OU. And it's kind of like, even if you are a senior, you're going to have to wait your turn. Uh, You know, we're going to put out the best guys right now to give us the chance to win. And, uh, you know, if we're up by, you know, 44 to 10, we'll put you in. (laughs) But also fair uh, to my point about the different units within football where it's not, I mean, you can sub, but it's not as, you know, each, each series is a lot more important because offense is typically the one that scores. Whereas in a lacrosse game, it's like, okay, you can give up one goal and come back from that. Like a big giving up a touchdown is a little bit bigger of a deal, but I mean, against the West Virginia, I'm like, you should beat this team. You should start. And if you're not starting, you're probably not going to like, you're not going to come in and be the hero because at that point it's like, well, why not just give us a good lead to then bring in the backup. But I don't know. So, well, I I think we've seen the last. It's been a wild season. It has been. It has been. And I think we've seen the last of Spencer Sanders in a Oklahoma State uniform. Um, one, one of the the frustrating things about this game for me was some of the offensive play calling. You you saw Ollie Gordon get going a little bit, but we're driving with less than two minutes left in the game. And Casey Dunn calls a fade route on fourth and three from the West Virginia 28. Did not convert. <laughs> turn the ball over on downs. And obviously you have to go for it in that situation because the field goal wasn't going to do it. But after the game Dunn said that, well, like I said earlier, you know, you're scoring 40, 45 points a game and then you just, it collapses. You walk in after the game, you just don't know what to say to the offensive unit anymore to the players or the coaches, things just kind of spiraled. And I don't have any great answers for why that to me just kind of like, blew my mind that that's the response that he gave like as a coach take responsibility for your part in why it spiraled yeah absolutely I think that was the most mind-boggling part for me and there are certain things that you just don't say publicly even whenever you're thinking it I know for a fact that there are 
things that have happened in the past couple of years that get used against us in recruiting. I think a lot of the antics during the press conferences are are just that, right? They're kind of gimmicky, right? Like last week, let's talk about yogurt and pretzels and beers so that we can avoid accountability, it, it seems like, right? It seems disingenuous. So I know like the OAN shirt a couple of years ago, that would probably get used. If I was recruiting against OSU, I would use that, right? And and now there's this thing about him not meeting with his players about their intentions after the season. Like that stuff is so mind-blowing to me. Is it a coincidence that TCU goes and they tweet out a video about players hanging out with Sonny Dykes, you know, in, in his office afterwards, right? Or Or is it a coincidence that Steve Stark Steve Sark at Texas goes and he says that he plans on meeting with each individual to discuss their intentions. Because if I were them, wife hugs the players every game, too. Yes. If I were them, I would use it against Gundy and recruiting. And maybe it's hard to have that type of awareness whenever you have more power than the athletic director himself. Right. But I've been fortunate to, to get to know some incredible leaders of football programs over my lifetime. And I've had the chance to see strong locker rooms and weak locker rooms. And for example, when you see the Michigan players showing up to Harbaugh's press conference, telling him that they love him, like, doesn't that make you kind of jealous? I got jealous. I was reading that. I was like, or just watching it. And I'm like, dang, like when's the last time something like that happened at OSU? So the best teams that I have seen are the ones where the head coach recognizes who the leaders are, the impact players in that locker room, even if they're not players, but the ones that know how to influence other others and they have regular conversations with them throughout the week. And I think that this is a fork in the road moment for OSU, especially when it comes to that staff. Yeah, that's a good point. I think um I think it's changed a little bit from whenever we were players, Eve, because I wasn't expecting to talk to Mike Gundy on a daily basis by any means. But I was surprised. I mean, we there was one day we were on our way out from practice going into the tunnel whenever I caught up with him and, you know, we chatted just kind of on the way to the locker room. I thought, man, this is really, really cool. And, um, you know, you hear reports about how he didn't even talk to Mason Rudolph until he was like a junior. Uh, that was a couple of years ago. And I'm just like, what happened? So, Oh, he's not, he, and Mason's not the only person <laughs> who has said these things either you know, either publicly or behind closed doors. Plenty of former defensive players have told me this. Team captains have said the things like, hey, we don't even have conversations. So that is just, I don't know, man. I think that speaks very loudly about the lack of leadership that we have. Yeah, it's, and it's really weird because I, want, I, I love Gundy. I want to give him all the credit that he deserves. And then yeah. there's other times where I'm just like, get out of your own way and quit holding us back. Like, that's something that holds us back. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's why we, I feel like that's part of the reason why we haven't really competed for a national like or for a Big Twelve championship it could be potentially a national championship. The way that we could have built it up, like you said, we were down around where Clemson was around the time that we played there, and look where they've elevated. And you know, you don't really hear that stuff about yeah. Robert Sweeney. So, that, yeah, I mean, that, I would that's say, I, you know, <laughs> going back to Dunn. I think that it's just so much of the season, the expectations going into it and just taking loss after loss like this, it just wears on you. And um, you kind of let your guard down a little bit and post game press conferences and, and, you know, he's human just like, you know, everybody else and we're taking it, taking it pretty hard. Um, So it's not something that you want to hear, but 
you know, I give you props for like actually speaking his mind. He could just tell like totally blow smoke or whatever. And, um, and it doesn't seem like he doesn't care, you know? Um, but you know, people wanted at this point of the season, people want to dismiss Gundy's excuses for having so many injuries. And I mean, I get it as a fan, but at the same time, it's a fact. Like I was at the West Virginia game. I sat on the 50 yard line on the visiting side and I was looking at our sideline and the guys that were suited up in full pads, it looked like we were with a traveling roster. Like there were so many people on the outside that were just wearing their jerseys and sweatpants or whatever. So, I mean, what, what legitimately, what are the expectations? Now I will say it's a little bit concerning that these backups that come in to these starting roles aren't at the same talent level as what we've seen for the starters, because there's a drastic drop off where it's completely handicapping the way that we can run our offense, which to me is unacceptable for where we are as a program, because people say it all the time. Everybody's injured. Uh, Well, Justin, that's why, that's why backups that are coming in and not missing a beat. That, so, that's why I say there, there's such like certain things you don't say publicly because recruiting never sleeps. Right. And th- there's a complexity uh, part of this game. And then there's a real simple bottom line of football. Right. I think there's a beautiful juxtaposition of football. The complexity is the scheme. Like, are we going to run wide zone? Are we going to run inside zone? Is it going to be a power gap right on the outside? But just to break it down for fans who are listening, who may not be as football savvy. So when it's a wide zone or outside zone, what you want to do is you want to get the ball carrier to the edge so that the defense flows to that side of the field. And then you counter the play with a cutback lane um, against the flow of the defense. And then on an inside run, it has the exact same principles, except the running back wants to cut off the outside hip of the guard instead of running towards the edge. And then, the inside zone is a lot more vertical because although you're still moving the defender left or right, you always have to move towards their end zone. And then a power, which uses a double team at the point of attack uh, meant to drive back the defensive lineman off the ball. And then a lead blocker comes around and looks to blow up the linebacker. So a lot of trappings, a lot of wham blocks, like that's all the nerdy stuff, right? That's the complicated part of football. And OSU does a lot of that out of shotgun with RPOs and read options, sometimes with extra tight ends and different linemen. And you can tell that uh, Spencer Sanders, like he got a good grasp of that by his senior year, right? Like he gets that. That's the complexity of the game. The simple part is this. If you dominate the line of scrimmage, you win, right? So whenever you talk about uh, what was our offense doing, Here's here's the fact of the matter. We aren't going to out recruit a lot of teams. So our focus has to be on building a team that is the best in the conference at the line of scrimmage, period. Right. So good linemen, they make it so much easier for skilled people to do their jobs. And it's really hard to be good if you have an inferior line of scrimmage. And you saw it last week. You saw it the week before that. That has to be the primary focus. It's already hard enough to get good offensive and defensive linemen in the transfer portal. Like on the defense, you want to build it from inside out and you want to build it from front to back. You need powerful defensive tackles that can be a wall. Right. Because that helps what we do. OSU, we play three down linemen on a three, four or two, depending on the offensive personnel that we're shown. Right. You want to have hard edges. 
stand-up players that could point inwards. Colin Oliver, he's that guy. Trace Ford did a great job. He did a great job with that this year. You want to have hybrid players um, in the middle of the field, in the second and in the third levels who can cover, who can tackle, who can play in space, right? So you think of Malcolm Rodriguez, Mason Cobb did a great job at that. He was fantastic. Kendall Daniels, like that guy is going to be a star, right? And whenever you can do that, you can play in the modern Big 12. Like you can play against those offenses, and, and you can stop the run as well. So you combine that with corners and nickels on the outside who can cover like Jabbar Muhammad, who's I think is phenomenal. You got yourself a team. Yeah. OK, so I love our defensive personnel. The people who are going to be recruiting like, who are returning. That's great. A lot of them we're going to have to replace and we're going to need depth, just like you mentioned, Justin. But if you are saying these things publicly that don't inspire players that are going to come in, do you expect to get anybody coming out of high school or even out of the transfer portal if your opposing teams are using those things against you? So sorry for going on a little bit of a rant, but golly, there's a complexity to it and there's a simplicity to it. And you got to be able to figure both out. Uh, I mean, I was talking to you guys last mm-hmm. night too about the whole Wisconsin situation with Jim Leonard and, and Luke Fickle and Fickle is a great coach, great coach one of the better ones in college football, but there are people in Wisconsin players and recruits who are very upset with that decision. And Wisconsin finished six and six. They had a very, very terrible end of game where they, it was like first and goal and they went backwards and ended up losing uh, when they should, you know, you're in the red zone, you can punch it in, but people were still backing Leonard because of the person he is, the coach he is. And they had a mediocre season. So I think that those little things too, if you have a coach who's going to vouch for you, that goes a long way. And a coach who can take accountability, that goes a long way. And my frustration with the things Gundy and Casey Donbo said, neither of them seemed to want to take accountability. For Gundy to say, oh, I don't really talk to my players about whether they stay or go. Okay, I'm not telling you to bribe them, but if you care about them as people, you should tell them why they should stay or be like, I want what's best for you. And if you feel that's not here, then move on, but have that conversation. And for Dunn, you're calling the plays. The offense spiraled. You needed to get it back under control. Take accountability. That's what a leader does. And neither of them did or, that. And that's or, or, the part that's really frustrating. Or Gundy, at least equip them. Like if you don't know if they're going to be go- coming yeah. or leaving, yeah. there are so many programs that you could put together that actually equip these guys for life after football, right? Yeah. I've done that in the past at different programs. I know what that looks like. And the other thing too is whenever Gundy was talking about how, hey, the decision for us to go for it on fourth and two really came down to the fans saying, hey, you should go for it. I was like, bruh. Like the fans are doing the play calling now. Like, what are we doing? I hope I wish you would listen to the fans earlier in the season whenever we're calling to go for it in a fourth town. But it's not that they went for it, it was just a terrible play call. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so go for it, but have a better play call. <laughs> the complexity versus the simplicity. Like it has to be there has to be that fine balance. Right. Well, you and, got a and, running back that is getting like eight yards of carry. Yeah. And you're playing in the rain and you're not gonna run the ball on four. Like it's I don't know. You're going to throw it with a true freshman quarterback, but enough. We could probably, I, mean, I, don't, I don't even hate that. Like, let's say, let's say for, you know, by some miracle, they convert that then Dunn looks like a genius, you know? So yeah. it kind of goes both ways. Yeah. And, and you know, Justin, does, what do they always tell us? In they football? didn't convert. So he doesn't look like a genius. They, what do they always say? You're either getting better or you're getting worse. Right. So you're either progressing or you're regressing mm-hmm. in football. So if you don't know which one, like Gunn comes out there, he's like, hey, I don't know what's happening. Then you're probably regressing. Right. (laughs) So I I also think if they had gone for plays like that earlier in the season and you're making, you know, these, you know, flea flickers and all these crazy like triple reverses and everything. It's like, okay, you want to showboat. You want to do those plays. It's worked earlier in the season. Do it. But like you're trying 
like that's not the scenario to do it. Like you want to end on a, a, a win at home on senior day. You have not had a good season. That's not the time to get fancy. That's the time to play smart football. That's yeah. that's just my opinion. I've and, never and called plays, but that's just how I feel about it. <laughs> the play, yeah, the plays don't have to necessarily be fancy, like reverses and flea flickers and stuff. Like probably the craziest looking play. Uh, I guess you can call it fancy if you want to. I think it was like right at the start of the second quarter when whenever we scored on the touchdown, it was Presley coming in like an orbit motion and then a counter out of the backfield to catch the swing pass. And I was like, dang, that that was freaking slick. Like, why haven't we been seeing this? Why don't we call that play on fourth down? You know, why don't we go a play based off of that look with another type of, you know, counter or something like that? But yeah, I um, was pretty shocked by that play call on fourth and three. That was um, that was a head scratcher. I don't think we have the guts to do those things whenever like we have something in, at stake, like whenever like the game is on the line, are we actually going to pull that trigger? I remember Todd Munkin. Okay. It was the year was 2010. I forget who we were playing against, but it was a critical moment in the game. It was a fourth down. We decided to stay on the field. We were on about the 35 yard line. And what he decided to call was a reverse, like a jet sweep reverse. And we could not only did we convert the first down, but it ended up going to the house, but it's like, yo, that's not what you expected to do on that play right but you know it, it just takes a certain type of gravitas to be able to say yeah we're doing something unexpected in this time whenever the game's on the line and we're going for it i don't even think it has to be like something completely unexpected just like trust your players to get the job yeah. done like have faith have confidence in your players that are out there that they can pick up three yards yeah well like get them energized gonna... to go up and go do that you know what i'm saying like get them fired up and ready to go yeah the thing I'm going to say is two weeks ago against OU, I said, stop going to Jaden Bray. It is not working. And in this instance, <laughs> why are you stopping going to Ollie Gordon? Because that was working. So it's like tale of two games. You know, it's like that wasn't working, but you kept trying. Ollie was working and you decided that wasn't the person to go to on fourth down. But enough. That's, about- you know, if, if there's anything to say positive about the West Virginia game, it's that Ollie Gordon yeah. is that guy. Like, He's I'm excited be- to see him develop into one of the great Oklahoma state backs. Let's get those linemen. The other positive about that game were the uniforms in the words of Justin mm, Southwell. Amen. That combo was elite. Justin, if you had to put together a college football uniform playoff bracket, where would OSU go? Oh, they're the one seeds and taking it. Over Oregon, over Oregon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oregon. So Oregon, when they top five, top five, give me your top five then. Well, let me say for Oregon, whenever they started off, they were kind of the hot thing because they had all these different combos. But then once they started changing them every year, it just kind of became kind of goofy, to be honest. So, uh, and then they don't even really embrace a lot of the combos that you would think. I feel like they do the same repeated combos year after year and they have like one or two uh, just random, you know, uh, special editions where they have like a cancer awareness or something like that, where they can throw that in the mix, but they're not like switching it up a crazy amount. It's like Dang. solid green, solid yellow, solid black. And every once in a while they switch it up and throw in some white and stuff. Are they so, making yeah. the top five though? I mean, we're top four because only four can play for the championship. <laughs> that's kind of like the thing I, I would, I'd really have to sit on them 
and figured that out. I don't want to just sit here and like rattle them off. I know that OSU would be one unbiased opinion. They're just they're just the best. Oh, you know? OSU, TCU, Oregon are my top three right there. And then after that, I don't know who the fourth seed would be, but that's undoubtedly my top three. If you want to talk one-off games and not collectively, I say Navy and Army for Army-Navy game always. Always fire. The Army ones just came out this week. They look good, too. Big fan of the Navy. I know that they get the Under Armour logo. And Eve is like, UA, I don't want it. (laughs) I don't want it. No comment. Uh, one um, more piece. Yeah, of I, I think we we need to revisit this for another episode because I I would definitely need to check out what we're where Oregon would sit. Off season and it's playoff season coming up too. So the college football playoff bracket is being Let's released go. on Sunday. Uh, quick note before I get to our Oklahoma State bowl predictions. It was announced on Monday that long snapper Matt Hembro was named one of three finalists for the Patrick. Manly Award. Let's go. Long Stapper. So yay, more good news for OK State. During his time in Stillwater, this is insane to me. He has been perfect on more than 500 career snaps split between punts and place kicks. And that split is almost even. He was named an All-American by the AFCA in 2021, the first year they allowed long snappers to be named All-Americans. And he, the winner will be announced on December 10th. So let's go Hembro. Let's yeah. Come on, hey, that streak was almost ruined, by the way, because of the weather on Saturday. Like props to the punter uh, for snagging that thing and putting it down for the for the field goal. Special right. teams, baby. Props to you, Amber. I love it. Go ahead, win that thing. We again, as I said, we will find out what bowl Oklahoma State will land in on Sunday after championships play out bowl predictions guys i personally i've I've seen some things i've seen some predictions and everything what i hope is that we are in the liberty bowl against mizzou <laughs> that is my hope because i feel like we'd actually mm. have a shot but i've seen rumors of cheese it's and unc which i don't like that matchup uh first of all i feel like the cheese it bowl is like a lot higher on the list than what people That's are what getting- I- because like Oklahoma State shouldn't be in the conversation for that. I think that's more like the Texas, like Texas and USNC would be a really cool matchup for that game. The Mac yeah. Brown Bowl. I would but love. To see I don't that. think OSU yeah. is OSU is not on that level this year, unfortunately. So I don't I don't know where the cheese at bowl rumors are coming from. That doesn't make sense to me. But if we were there, you know, whatever. Uh, I think. No, I will say this though. I don't want to play Missouri. I'm tired of playing past Big Twelve opponents and bowl games i don't want to see missouri anymore i don't want to see texas a&m anymore like y'all moved on we're done with you guys so i don't want to see another matchup like that again i'd be cool with like playing in the texas bowl against florida um i don't necessarily have like a legitimate bowl prediction i guess i don't really know like what all ties are it it changes all the time i have to look into it more but yeah i just i just let it play out and then wherever we go it's like hey go pokes i love i love any time that we play the sec and we beat them and we hold them to their uh, below their season averages and points. Right. So I would love to play a Kentucky uh, an Arkansas, a Mississippi state, right. Some of these teams that, you know, they made it uh, a Vanderbilt No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but being able <laughs> to play the sec and just beating the sec, uh, you know, it, it just always feels good. It's like, Hey, we're going against what a lot of people perceive to be the number one conference and boom, we, we can hang with them. We just got to get some of these guys back healthy. Uh, 
gosh, I don't want to get embarrassed. So, man, remember when bowl games used to mean a lot back in the day? Like you used to really <laughs> care about the For bowl sure. game. Yeah. No matter I'm what, like, be surprised yeah. if guys opt out because it's like, why? You know, well, we don't have fun. we don't have that many guys who can opt out. Do we like as far as you don't have a lot of great draft stock, you know, so you kind of have to come back and play anyway. Or it's going to look bad for scouts at the next level. Fair, fair. Mm-hmm. But these, some of these guys who are injured, they might not TV. rush back. You know. Yeah. Well, hey, I tell you what. Whenever you're playing football, you better not be tiptoeing either. That's the fastest way to get hurt. Yeah. There. The big game this week. We'll quickly touch on it. Big 12 championship. K State took care of business. They will face TCU down in Arlington. I am really pumped for this running back battle between Kendra Miller and Deuce Vaughn Miller 17th and FBS and rush yards Vaughn 16th. And there's only 35 yards separating them on that list. Miller has 16 touchdowns and Vaughn only has seven. Who do you guys think is going to win this ground game and also the game? (laughs) That's a tough one. Uh, I'll go with Deuce Vaughn. Again, we talked about it in the past. Just such an easy guy to root for. Like, I really want him to do well. He's like Mighty Mouse out there. You know, you just and, – and he has the speed. He has the quickness. I told you about the NFL scout that I spoke to who said that he believed that Deuce Vaughn, Deuce Vaughn was the best college running back in the Big 12 Conference, right, even ahead of B. John Robinson. Oh. They think that B. John's going to be a better pro. They think Deuce Vaughn is a better college running back. So, you know, take that however you will. But I see Deuce Vaughn having a better game for Kansas State, but TCU comes out with the victory. I can see that playing out like that too. I'm also, I mean, I love the running back aspect of it, and it's already been well established. I'm a big Deuce Vaughn fan, uh, but I'm a little bit excited about the um, backup quarterback bowl that we've got here with Max Duggan and Will Howard um, coming out as backups, looking like Heisman Trophy winners. So. Yeah. Uh, that should be a, another cool matchup, but who, who are you taking for the, for the, for the game pick? Me or Eve? Either. Yeah, you. So, um, first of all, I need to say that, uh, Deuce Vaughn gives me Darren Sproles vibes. I don't know if it's the, the K state connection or just they're fat, like little and really fast, but I'm like, I love watching you play. You're just like, um, I love it. I love it. Reenactment. Um, I, okay. So I, in week 10, I think I said that K state was going to make the championship and play spoiler. I would like to see TCU win and represent the big 12 in the college football playoff, but I'm going to say K state is going to win in a close one. 37, 34. If K state wins, they're just ruining things for the big 12 conference. I mean, they are. I would make the argument that a close loss to K-State in the big, a ranked K-State, I said it last week. I mean, the committee won't see it. I'm going to make some calls. Um, But a ranked, a tight ranked loss to K-State in the Big 12 championship to me is more impressive than Ohio State getting blown out by Michigan at home and TCU should still be in. That's my take M E G four C F P yeah M E G four C F P yeah M E G four C F P. Justin's not in for. on this, but it's fine. It's I mean, fine. I, I just disagree with the take. That's fine. I mean, like you know, 
TCU's record is more impressive. It, it's more impressive. Ohio State. Better wins. No, but Ohio State has beaten every opponent before Michigan by double digits this year. And I know that they got beat. Who were they Michigan, playing? Michigan. Indiana? Purdue? But to be fair, like Rutgers? Michigan, they played the same team and they are arguably a top team, like the top team. I mean, they look better than Georgia at this point in the season. So. But they beat them head to head. That's, you know, that's that's a differentiator right there. Michigan head to head. If it were reversed and Ohio State crushed Michigan, I would be making the same case that does a one loss yeah. Michigan deserve to be in? No, because who are they playing? And the Big Ten is not that strong of a conference. You're seeing it by be- Purdue being in it versus Michigan. Kansas I just say has three losses. That loss looks so bad if you lose to a team that has three losses. In a tight one when they're currently ranked, because you have to look at it also by their current ranking when you're playing them. And I know you have to look at their losses as well, but they're not playing an unranked Kansas State. They're playing a ranked Kansas State. Hey, I think we can all agree on this, though. <laughs> Please. But Ohio State just lost to a ranked Michigan. That's what I'm saying. It's like Michigan is so they're so good. Look, we we can all agree on this. Please keep Alabama out of the playoffs. Keep them far <laughs> yes. away from Get the playoffs. Right now, they still have like the fifth best odds to make the playoffs and play in the national championship games, according to Las Vegas. But their look, best win is against Texas. Like they 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 don't deserve it. I hope USC wins the Pac-12 championship game and, and and makes it in there for that fourth slot. Yes, and picks with Bix. We will end with him. He is going with the Horned Frogs. Nice. Pigs hates, I mean, Bix hates cats. And yeah. that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm the same way. And I, I actually, initially, like last week, I thought that Kansas State would be the upset. Spoiler here. But I'm actually flip, flipping now. After what I saw TCU do to Iowa State this last weekend, I'm a believer. So I'm going with TCU as well. Go win yourself that Big 12 championship. Go to the CFP. Well, that's all we have for this episode of the Believe in OK State podcast presented by Bet Online. Like, share, subscribe, follow us on YouTube. Thanks for listening. Go Pokes. Go Pokes. Go Pokes. Go pokes.